Sure, I got something for you. Yeah, what do you got, Hotshot? Welcome to Earbuds and Earworms. I'm Amy, and I have a special guest from Lil Red Bandwagon, Bobby. I'm Bobby. Yeah, you're Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I got 30 seconds in, not even, and I already fucked it up. Oh, and I earned your E. Congratulations. Yay. It's it's now it's just a competition to see how early I can get my E. So, Bobby, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, well, I, I guess... You're from Little Red Bandwagon, so of course there's the network connection. But let's more know, let's know, eh, let's know more about you. Sure. Well, uh, I'm I believe an ear buddy completist. I don't know if there's a term for that yet, but I believe I've heard every episode you've put out. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm a co-host on the Little Red Bandwagon podcast, which I imagine many of your listeners, but maybe not all of your listeners, know <laughs> is a podcast about the podcast Too Beautiful to Live, uh, TBTL which is something that I find myself explaining to people all the time in the real world, uh, awkwardly, so this is no exception. Um, by day, uh, I manage a professional contemporary chamber music ensemble in Boston. So it's a pro sextet ensemble with a conductor that premieres and performs contemporary 21st century new chamber music uh, and you know late 20th century music. And so a really weird goofy super hardcore niche of sort of quote-unquote classical music i do that in boston uh and then at night a few nights a week i host bar trivia in rhode island where i make playlists of just two to two and a half hours of alternative rock and poppy goofy fun new young people music um and so all together uh i'm just sort of living an omnivorous music lifestyle and that's why I thought this would be a lot of fun to come on and defend my quote unquote iPod <laughs> on this uh, special edition of E&E. I'm excited because uh, most of the songs or there's some songs that I hadn't hadn't heard that you sent me. And I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> I have not heard these songs. So I really wanted to listen to them. And well, I want to <laughs> put a disclaimer at the very top of this because you picked three of the songs that probably have the widest spread of the list I gave you and also probably make me seem like the biggest weirdo <laughs> of all the songs you could have chosen. Um, you know, there are so many things that I might listen to on a given day or week. Um, and I don't have an iPod and I don't actually even use my iTunes very often. I sort of live in my Spotify premium account. And I also use that account for hosting trivia. So just as a heads up on how this works, when I go out and host in a bar I ask a night of 20 questions split up into rounds and all that. I'll spare you the details of how the game works. But every question is followed by a song, and that song is the timer for people to bring up their answers to the questions. So it is, as much as it is asking questions, also entertaining with a playlist a couple nights a week. And so the songs that I play are not just my personal want-to-hear songs, but they're also my the songs I want to play for a bar full of people. And that list might change depending on if I'm in a – family restaurant or a pseudo Irish pub kind of bar. So um, it's really hard for me to scroll through a list of all the music I'm playing and say, oh, well, this is something that's here because I like it. Or that's something here because I know it's good fit for a bar. Are, are um, you stepping back from defending your songs? 
No, no, no. I'm going to defend all these songs. These are, I intentionally chose songs that I thought were outliers in popular music or music that people would expect to hear. You know, I could go all day listening to 90s alt rock grunge or, <laughs> you know, 80s hits or love ballads or, you know, great campy, goofy 90s music or Hot 100 uh, hip hop and rock and pop music. And I'll I'll go through all those things. And I could have included more of all of those options, <laughs> but they didn't seem weird enough. Like if you were to pick up my iPod uh, and scroll through it, I think you would scroll past all those things and say, yeah, that's fine. That's not <laughs> unexpected. Yeah. So I tried to give you the things that you might stop on and say, why is that there? And I think you, you know, I gave you a list of what, seven songs or something. And you picked the three that are most uh, stumbling <laughs> for that. Yes, uh, I saw them. I was like, "Ooh, I think these are going to be it. And tell me about your first one, which is The King of Spain by Moxie Fruvis. I can't wait. I'm lowering interest rates. My people say, King, how are you such a genius? There's a roof overhead. And food on a plate. It's laissez-faire. I don't even give a care. Let's make Friday part of the weekend and give every new baby chocolate eclair. Once I was the king of Spain. Hey Clinton, hey Yeltsin, got problems? You phone me. Now I eat humble pie. I'm telling you I was the king of Spain. Now I eat humble pie. Now the leaps call me up to drive the Zamboni. Once he was the king of Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the International Orchestra. might be wondering how I came to be living in Canada after being royalty in Spain. Should I tell them, guys? Tell us, kids! You see, ladies, one night. Yeah. Well, uh, you got that right. Um, this is a song that I almost didn't put on the list I sent you because <laughs> I know Mike, when he came on, had a very similar situation where he gave you a song from a band where he immediately said, it's definitely not the best song by that band. There are definitely better <laughs> songs by that band. And this is absolutely an example of that so um let's put this into context moxie fruvis was a band from the early 90s in toronto uh sort of uh, a hippie uh folk rooted buskery you know busking type <laughs> ensemble um that used to get called in by radio stations in toronto to come in and write quick little ditties about current events and so a lot of their early songs were parody songs. And this was probably, you know, I've never been a huge Weird Ale fan. I mean, I respect Weird Ale, but I know. I don't know. Those, that's, have, are, that's fighting words on this show. <laughs> well, I know. I don't. I, you know, I, I mean, no disrespect like that, but I don't dislike Weird Ale. But, you know, Amy, you and I are about the same age. I'm <laughs> Wait, a couple years older than you. No, I don't even you're think. You're older than you. I think you were born maybe, maybe one year. I think I'm about to turn 32. Oh, no. So we're the same age. Yes. So I was born. I Yeah. So I was born 86. So I didn't have that campy Weird Al love that a lot of people our age yeah. have. But for me as a kid in middle school, that love for me was Moxie Fruvis. And I put it on the list because I was an official member of the Moxie Fruvis fan club in the early days of the internet. They were called Fruheads. Um they would come through and play bars in Rochester and Buffalo, and I would want to go see them, and I was way too young to go see them, so I didn't get to go see them. 
Um, I did see them live once or twice, but um, only like outdoor stuff. Uh, and they have a, a catalog of several albums, half of which are these sort of campy, goofy, um, joking on or making super liberal commentary on public current events. And then the other half are sort of bland, early 90s, guitar, strummy, singer-songwriter songs that I still love. And I probably would have picked one of those. But King of Spain is by far their biggest hit. It's a song that still uh, pops up in the average um, college acapella group repertoire. Uh, <laughs> it's so delightful. It, it's, well, so here's one of the complaints I have about earbuds and earworms, not to come in on and complain <laughs> about your show. I love your show. You have a beautiful show. But my one complaint is some weeks the theme is so esoteric that it does not make for the kind of playlist you'd want to put on casually it's the kind of playlist that you have to put on and genuinely think about you know when you do a whole episode about joke songs mm -hmm. you know it's not the kind of thing that you want to put on and just be like yeah this is going to make a great playlist for this week for my life <laughs> um and here i am ruining you know my principle by putting this song here and you picking it first because it is not the kind of song that i would just put on but if a spotify playlist has it on it and i'm sure some of mine do and it comes on um i will certainly play it through and if i'm in the car and the windows are up i will certainly sing along and i will be thoroughly embarrassed now i will say in eighth grade uh we had a paper writing assignment in one of my classes and it was literally just a hey do research and write a paper on anything you know whatever mm -hmm. i wrote an entire paper on the history of this band album by album oh. i wish i had a copy of it and the teacher i'm sure just thought what the fuck is this kid this band from Toronto nobody's ever heard of. I, I think so, it's amazing, though. Well, I think it's very regional. So any listeners from Western New York, uh, Michigan, Upper Peninsula, or Canada will have very much heard of them. But, uh, yeah, if you didn't grow up in that region. Um, and, you know, the Bare Naked Ladies are from the same region. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, people would have Moxie Fruvis, BNL, the Tragically Hip. Uh, they would all sort of be in that same group of music that you listen to from that <laughs> from that locale. Uh, I do want to make one disclaimer. Yes. Um, I loved this band. The only member of this band who anyone will recognize is Gian Gomeshi, because when they broke up, he's the one who went on to have a solo career, and then he became a podcast host and a radio host for CBC, and then he moved to New York and hosted Q uh, for WMYC, and everybody found out um, more and more <laughs> as time went on that he is a disgusting monster of a human being who's cruel and abusive to women, and oh. um, is it is it... You know, well, he, yeah, he had some issues with some inappropriateness and has since lost those jobs. And um, the, all of that may or may not be true. But generally speaking, he's a creep. Um, I did not know that. And I don't think the world knew that when I was eight. So, Or when you were a fruhead. I wonder. It's probably still out there. I didn't go looking, but there was this really janky-ass website <laughs> where you would put in your information. This is, you know, pre-Facebook and, you know, way before all that, the early 90s. But you would put it in and it would tell you how many fruheads were near you and how far away they were. And so it was a very early sort of social uh, interaction site. Oh, that's fabulous. It's, it's terrible yeah. about the one guy who is awful, but... Uh, yeah. I, I, I think I've played the song more than anything off your playlist that you sent me. Ha! <laughs> well, so you're going to listen to this and then I'll encourage you, uh, dear... Uh, I almost said Wagoneers, dear ear buddies, uh, go take a listen to some other, and I'll put I'll put together a Spotify playlist of some songs that I would recommend that are better than this. But like I said, I still defend it. I'll still sing along. Um, 
if the windows are up, if no one's around. You don't want to um, drop that sweet, like, Clinton rhyme and the interest <laughs> rates. <laughs> uh, when they used to do this song live, they would update all those political references. So depending on when you heard it, it might be different world leaders, too. Oh, so this was just when oh, this yeah. was recorded. That's amazing. Right, exactly. So, yeah. so uh, your your next pick delights me to no end. And it's I Really Like You by Carly Rae Jepsen. It's like everything you say is a sweet revelation. All I want to do is get into your head. Yeah, we could stay alone, you and me and the temptation. Sipping on your lips, hanging on my bed, baby. Late night watching television. But how do we get in this position? It's way too soon. Now you have to defend yourself on this one. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. You picked this out of my list and you said, I picked these three because I really wanted to hear your story <laughs> behind each of these songs. And I have to tell you, I don't have a story for I Really Like You by Carly Rae Jepsen. I picked it because I think it's representative of uh, something for me, which is that I really love sugar-coated pop music and the less substantial the better uh it does not hurt that the video for i really like you has just an amazing acting performance by tom hanks i know it's i was i saw that because i hadn't seen this song i saw the video and i was like tom hanks is lip-syncing this it's amazing and it was you hadn't i hadn't seen it and i hadn't heard it 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 didn't really? get popular around here. I hadn't heard it on the so, radio. On the radio? Yeah. So, I mean, you could you could sub in pretty much any Carly Rae Jepsen song here if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of that one that, that she does with that little bastard from Owl City because <laughs> all he does is rip off the Postal Service, which is a much better band than anything he's ever done. Yeah, discount, but, uh, discount you know. Postal Service right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love... Call Me Maybe, uh, <laughs> cut, cut to the Feeling, which is from last year, mm-hmm. another awesome, great Carly Rae Jepsen song. Um, I picked this because it's just so light. Yes. And I was t- I was telling you a little bit about my my jobs earlier and sort of the day life and nightlife that I have and my <laughs> split personalities of my work. Uh, in my day job, music is a very serious thing. Now, it could be a light thing. You know, we'll often get compositions that have jazz elements in them that we're going to play. Mm-hmm. And you can't take yourself too seriously when you're playing something like that. But a lot of what the day job guys do, and I'm not talented enough to be a musician along with them. That's why I'm off stage, backstage doing my thing. But, you know, these are professionals. Um, they're some of the best musicians in Boston. They hit everything perfectly. They learn. They They mesh together. It's very serious, and they take it very seriously, and they execute it at a very high virtuoso level. Mm-hmm. And then I go to my night job, 
where I could be the guy who shows up and doesn't want to play anything but deep cut B-sides <laughs> from my early 90s alternative band lists that I love. From the bands that um, nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, or, or you know, or the bands, you know, I could just play sad, emo-y, whatever all <laughs> night. But this song, I could put this song on in a bar or restaurant full of people. And even if they think they hate pop music and they hate popular music and they hate the kind of music they hear on the Billboard charts and they hate all these obnoxious girls singing, you know, light, fluffy music, they'll bob <laughs> their heads to this. They'll enjoy yes. it. Um, this is a song that will bring down a room uh, with no... No doubts in my mind. No doubt. Also a band that'll bring down a room. You play, you play Don't Speak in a room anywhere and everybody will love it. Yes. Um, but I just find this makes a room full of people happy and it makes me happy. And this is the one that I'll be happy to blast on my car stereo with the windows down. And I have no shame, which is why this is on my list. Oh, I, I love it. It's so infectiously happy. And it, it was it's such a delight. And it's Carly Rae Jepsen. And I was really glad that she's not a one hit wonder. Because she very easily could have been, but I just I just love yeah. all of her music because it's all very truly fluffy pop sugar, just diabetes all around. I love this so much. Yeah, you look at the progression that a lot of pop artists go through, uh, especially female pop vocalists. Mm-hmm. So you look at the Lady Gagas, whose music gets more serious and and uh, heavier as time goes on. Um, you look at the many iterations of Taylor Swift, who she was so happy to let us know she killed in her latest uh, album and single. You know, this is this is straight mid-career, although I shouldn't say mid, mid-career to this point yeah. for Taylor Swift. Um, you know, you see the many iterations, even going back to Madonna, there are the lighter sides of all of these artists. And Carly Rae Jepsen is just the lightest of all the light. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love that. And and I, you know, I could have easily put some Rhode Island native now, not really from here, but she owns a house here, Taylor Swift, uh, on the playlist. I would have been happy to do that, too, because that stuff just, uh, I love it. It's so cheesy, but I love it. I thought Nashville claimed her at some point. Uh, well, I mean, that, that Taylor's dead. Oh, yeah. I assume that all the Taylors before the current one's dead, and the current one owns a house in Rhode Island. So, so she's take... a she's she's then a Rhode Island native. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I noticed you didn't take any of the the fluffy, stupid 90s music <laughs> off this list, but I gave you Breakfast at Tiffany's Deep Blue Something I by know. Deep Blue Something, which is a ridiculously light song. Yes. <laughs> um, and I gave you Love Fool by the Cardigans, which is not only a light, fluffy, goofy, well, it's not that light, but a goofy song from the 90s, but a song I have done at karaoke. So Ah, uh, I didn't get to, to see consider. you do, do karaoke, though, did I? I don't recall seeing you no. sing, no? There wasn't enough whiskey? Uh, no, wait. Yeah, we were at the Mandarin Gate together, weren't we? Yeah. I don't remember yeah, I you singing. there. Oh. Oh, I did. I don't remember what I did, but I know I did. I don't remember you doing it, so did it well, happen? I had enough to drink that I don't remember what I sang, and you had enough to drink that you don't remember that I sang at all. So <laughs> I know Anne's song, and that's what it was like. That, that sticks in my memory, because Anne's magical. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Because I've been bumped out by quality. That's no problem. <laughs> And, uh, of course, Anne is your co-host on Little Red Bandwagon. So, uh, yes, Anne Lundholm, who she, you should go friend on Facebook. Uh, you can just go to littleredbandwagon.com slash friend Anne. Yes. Just tell, don't tell her why. Just friend her. It'd just great. everybody just go ahead and friend her and she'll, she'll be surprised by that. Um, there's a yep. giant U-turn from Carly Rae Jepsen with your next song. 
which was, I was doing all right by Diana Krall, and I need this story. I was doing all right. Nothing but rainbows in my skies. I was doing all right. Actually, it's sort of more than one story, and it's not all just about this song, but it's about Diana Krall. <laughs> so, um, I was a, a jazz choir kid in high school, um, and I loved Diana Krall from high school on. So, we're talking about late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, Elvis Costello, by the way, who on top of his own talents is married to Diana Krall, might be the luckiest man. On Earth, I had no idea that was something. (laughs) Right, I'm Uh, learning. (laughs) Uh, So you get all that. Um, Where do I begin? (laughs) Well, so vocal jazz, jazz stylings. I love jazz standards. I'm a sucker for, especially the really old standards, the Gershwin standards, and and uh, Diana Krall's done a lot of those. Um, But I was doing all right. Is maybe one of my favorite jazz standard love songs. And the reason I love it so much is so many songs fall into the trope of, oh, woe is me, my life was so terrible, mm-hmm. and then you made my life great. That's stupid. It's <laughs> the 21st century now. It was, you know, the turn of the century and the 21st century then. And it's almost always um, women. Now, sometimes it's the other way around because mm-hmm. you've got all the crooners. You've got, you know, Frank and Dean Snatcher, you know, D. Martin, all them. Um, singing these kinds of songs too, but especially with the the f- women, mm-hmm. you always got these songs where it was like, you know, my life was terrible, and then a man came into my life, and now I'm great. <laughs> um, <laughs> that terrible I love trope. This standard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love this standard because the whole point of this song is, I thought I was doing fine, life was great, now life's even better. Then you leave and life is terrible. I just, I like this idea that you're better than what you bring into it, but that you still brought something into it, that life was still good. Right. And Uh, I think that's a little bit more honest to how life generally is. Yeah. Well, I would hope so. I mean, if you're in a healthy, functional relationship, I would hope so. Yes. So, you know, I owned the Diana Krall Live in Paris CD when it came out, uh, which I think is a a great live recording of, of her personality and her vocal styling, uh, and I've had several of her other albums, um, and I've always just really liked her. Mm-hmm. And I had not um, had a chance to see her live. And so this story starts in a 2000, oh, let's say seven or eight 
um, I think it might have been summer 2007. So I was um, working, I was in school, uh, and I was working a job full time that I hated. I was working at a law firm that was a foreclosure factory. So this is right in the uh, huge housing bubble burst. So it must have been 2008, I think. Um, and I worked for a, a document mill. We basically just turned out all the documents to take people away from their homes that they probably shouldn't have gotten in the first place, who should have never qualified for a mortgage. Um, and I worked at the biggest law firm that did that. And so I would come in and I managed a night staff. I worked full time. I worked one to nine and I would work from one to five, getting ready for my staff to come in. And then from five to nine, it was, there were a bunch of second job people and I would set them up with their work for the night. Um, wow. I, I could feel that it was going nowhere. And I also hated the fact that I was really good at it. Oh. Um, so, you know, on one hand, I was proud of being good at my job. And on the other hand, I was like, well, this is a miserable place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, up by Niagara Falls. So I was in Buffalo, outside of Buffalo, when all this is happening. And up in Niagara Falls, there's an outdoor concert venue um, called Art Park. And it's it's not a really fancy venue, but a lot of acts come through in the summer. And it's I have some friends there, and I like to go visit. And I had worked for the Buffalo Philharmonic once um, before. Uh, and so I knew a lot of the people who were sort of in that circle. And I knew that Diana Krall was coming and playing our park this weeknight. And I finally just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm leaving. I'm going to go see Diana Krall. I've always wanted to see her live. I'm just going to go. Um, so I, I left work. I just didn't tell anyone I was leaving. I just punched out and left. And I started driving toward uh, Lewiston where this venue is. It's like, you know, 30 minutes away. And I stop and I buy a camp chair. And I show up and I... Um, weasel my way in i think i brought my my badge from from my old bpo job and i talked my way in for free and i snuck up to the lawn seating uh and i just set up my chair and i was so happy i i grabbed a drink and i a little food from the concession stand and i just thought you know what this is it i've made the right choice and i was just um proud of myself for doing that and i I was sort of thinking you know i got to get out of this situation Mm mm-hmm then I see a, an old colleague walk by, this older guy who I'd worked with at the Buffalo Philharmonic, you know, part-time a couple of years earlier. Um, and he sees me and he locks eyes with me and he runs over to me and he just goes, Bobby, I'm like Mike, different Mike, <laughs> what are you, what are you doing here? And I saw, so you know, we're catching up and he goes, hey, you know, uh, the marketing department at the BPO is in shambles. Uh, the program book is going to get started up. Uh, you know, they produce this monthly magazine that has all the concert program notes and things in it. When I worked there, it was my job to organize all that. Mm-hmm. Well, they had um, downsized and they had cut the person who was doing that poorly. And they realized they didn't have anyone to do it. And he said, Bobby, you should come, just come do the book. We'll, we'll hire you as a contractor. Just come do the book. Mm-hmm. So just by happen chance, you know, happenstance, I show up, I go to this concert, I run into this guy. He says, we need you come work for us just a little bit. So I do, I go back, I work for them just a little bit. Sure enough, a job opens up. We all say, hey, Bobby would be a good fit for that. <laughs> I apply for it. I get a full-time job at the orchestra, which is what I had always wanted anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's just this chain reaction of events that started because I put my foot down and said, I'm going to go see Diana Crawl. Oh, that was an amazing decision there. That, that's awesome. And Right. And, and it, so, it led you to get out of the crappy job, too. So that's important. Right. But the story keeps going. Uh-huh. So I've worked for that orchestra twice. This is the second time around. I'm working full-time in the fundraising department. I'm working nine to five. 
And uh, we have a subscription sales room. So this is the team of people who comes in and calls all the little old people at home during dinner <laughs> and tries to sell them subscriptions to the orchestra. <laughs> and doesn't this um, beautiful, quiet woman start working in the subscription sales room? And she's sitting at the desk that's uh, adjacent to the door to the hallway right across from my office. So I'm kind of seeing her come and go. And I'm seeing her in the break room and I'm saying hello and trying to glean as much as you know as much information about her as i can i'm trying to stalk her on the internet and um which is a thing i do for people who don't know me i'm a sleuth um and um that that woman is samantha my wife uh, we met because she was in buffalo for school during the day and took this job to make a little bit of money at night and we would catch one another in passing uh, at four thirty, five o'clock every day as I was getting ready to leave and she was staying. And we would often hang out, a bunch of us who worked together at a bar down the street. And I would often come back to the office after and sober up before I drove home. <laughs> and so she would also catch me at the end of her shift as I was getting myself cleaned up to go. And I would sort of intentionally be around at about five, <laughs> intentionally be around at around nine when she's getting off work. Um and we uh, sort of got to know one another that way for many, many months. I mean, almost a year before we actually went out. Um, and I would shoot rubber bands at her from my desk and get her yelled at during the beginning of her shift. So essentially you were um, just reenacting being seven. Yeah. And it works because I'm really good at being seven. <laughs> so, you know, I sort of happened, you know, happened to be emboldened to cut out of my day job, my full-time job that I desperately needed one night, which happened to connect me with the right person who realized I might be good for something they needed, which led me to a full-time job, which led me to meeting Sam, which led to a year-long courtship at work, <laughs> which led to us dating, which led to me following her to Rhode Island when she had a job lined up here. Mm -hmm. And then when we got here and survived the move, I proposed because I figured oh. if we could handle that, we can handle anything. Yeah. And when we got married, this particular song, I was doing all right. Um, not the Diana Krall version. We we actually had a live band at our wedding, Aww. so we had them sing it. But um, this was our first dance. Oh, that's so sweet. That's, like, so perfect. Now I'm going to get all, like, because, emotional. <laughs> because I think that our relationship embodies this the song. message of this song. I think, I think we were both strong-headed and independent and doing our thing. And because of that, we were able to come together and realize what a good thing we could have. You yeah. know, but before Sam, I think every girl I dated was a damsel in distress, or at least I wanted them to be. I wanted <laughs> to be the hero, and then it ended up being a disaster, because that never works. No. Uh, and, you know, we were doing our thing. It would have been very happy without one another, but even happier together. And so this song means a lot to me because of that, and it happens to be the Diana Krall version that I particularly like. And so. Aww. And, of course, Diana Krall is kind of, like got the ball rolling. Have you written like a fan letter to Diana Krall for that one? <laughs> no, um, no, I haven't. I, I guess I should. Maybe I should. I should summarize. Well, I'll just send her this episode of the podcast, and I'll just say, "Hi, I have a podcast about a podcast, and I want you to listen to this episode of another podcast I was on talking about how great you are." That'll go over really well. Yeah, that it, it sounds like a good tweet. <laughs> yeah, I'll get, I'll get a I'll get a really beautiful cease and desist order. <laughs> Well, really great restraining order letter from Diana Krall. Oh, I think it, I think it's really sweet though, and it's it's like kind of a very romantic song. So it's like I, I really wanted to hear this story because I was like, "What in the world could 
bring all of these songs together and yeah then there actually is something a theme actually that accidentally picked. yeah you stumbled on a theme i didn't give you a theme through all of the songs i gave you to pick from but you picked three songs <laughs> that sort of incidentally play nicely to my heritage and to my upbringing because you picked three songs that are all by canadians yeah. canadian bands or artists and you're half canadian right well, kind of. I don't know about half, but um, I was born in the United States. My mother was born in the United States, but she spent a lot of her childhood summers in Canada. My grandmother, who I was very close with and lived with with my mother for a long time, uh, was Canadian and extremely proud of her Canadian heritage. So I grew up in a house where there was this, you know, there was a Canadian flag next to every American <laughs> flag, and we went to Ontario. And honestly, you know. Buffalo and Rochester are right there on the border, right near Niagara Falls. And so um, it's a very binational existence that I was raised in. But, um, okay. you know, I've always had more of a, you know, there's basically some informal CanCon laws in my life. <laughs> I, there's a lot of Canadian content. I watched a lot of Canadian TV. I listened to a lot of Canadian music. So, um, you know, you, you happen to pick three very talented bands and musicians who all happen to be Canadian. Which was great because I didn't know that they were all Canadian. I knew Carly Rae Jepsen was, and I knew that um, – I figured that Moxie uh, – I'm not even looking. Fruvis. Fruvis. <laughs> it's, the, it's the umlaut that throws you off. Yeah, Moxie Fruvis. Yeah. Um, I, I, I yeah. figured they were because they mentioned the Leafs. So I was like, that, that right. sounds like <laughs> hockey, I think. So – it is hockey, right? Uh, yes. Awesome. Yes. yes. <laughs> Bobby, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at rlpape, R-L-P-A-P-E, a handle that I picked, you know, back when nobody knew what Twitter handles were going to be or if they were going to be useful. I probably would have made it Bobby Pape, but that's Robert Lawrence Pape, R-L Pape. It wouldn't be a podcast uh, guest from another podcast if I didn't plug Little Red Bandwagon, which is uh, at LRB Podcast on Twitter in your uh, feed uh, Twitter podcast feed of choice rather at uh, little red bandwagon a podcast that will make almost no sense to you if you don't listen to <laughs> tbtl so except know, for last friday's warned. episode which worked out perfectly <laughs> <laughs> yes yes it did you know so it's worth mentioning so i'm the third lrb host that you've had on to you know quote unquote defend your ipod and for people who maybe missed it or didn't catch on it's an old segment from the tbtl radio days so 30 second primer they used to be a radio show now they're a podcast uh, back in the radio days, um, the two co-hosts back then, or the host and producer, Luke and Jen, physically swapped iPods and scrolled through to ridicule one another live on the air. Um, but postage is, is high. Sort of... Yeah, postage is high, yeah, and we exactly. don't have iPods anymore. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. I mean, everything's through my phone and Bluetooth speakers. I, I couldn't if I tried. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and so we actually re-aired that segment from TBTL way back when, just a few weeks ago. Amy, you kindly joined me to to do a little intro for that podcast uh, on LRB. So um, if we're smart, we'll put that in the show notes. So if people really want to hear the origins of where this all started, you can go do that. And then you can listen to Little Red Bandwagon, and maybe you'll realize why we're so in love with TBTL. Yes. And, um, of course, you can always reach uh, Earbuds and Earworms at END Pod on the Twitter and at Madam Woolite is my handle. I guess you could still troll Jason at the JV Guarantee if you so choose. Please do. Please do. <laughs> and um, it, only really short songs. They need to be like 30 seconds or shorter and just troll him with those. Uh, <laughs> 
And Earbuds and Earworms podcast group Facebook and uh, endpod at gmail.com, which is our email. Uh, wouldn't mind some emails that are not spam. That'd be great. <laughs> and of course, yeah, the e- spam is pretty yeah. voracious. With these accounts that get put out on the interwebs with our website, um, they start to pick up spam pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. I've got like 50 people saying that um, my account for, I think, Squarespace is expiring. <laughs> But they're all different emails. (laughs) Um, You can find the show picture and, of course, Little Red Bandwagon and Nerd Out Loud at endpod.com. And you can always buy whatever weird Canadian flags you want or CDs at endpod.com slash Amazon because it gives us a little bit of change. And do you want to plug the voicemail line? Uh, Your voicemail line is at 731-400-BUDS. That's 731-400-2837. <laughs> I only had to check because I'm used to doing ours. By, <laughs> and I haven't you know, memorized rank. ours. <laughs> <laughs> Please do leave a voicemail. Um, and speaking of voicemails, did you get a voicemail? Do you have a voicemail you want to plug for your outro song? Uh, I don't, but you should pick a song, actually. Because oh, I don't right. have a voicemail song. Or no, no uh, It's just been a couple of days since I recorded with Jason. So sure. we don't have anything. Uh, the White Stripes, Seven Nation Army. Seven Nation Army is the song that I always imagine, like, if it was the opening scene of a movie and I'm walking down the street, not Saturday Night Fever style, which, you know, did that with the town song. But, like, if I was, like, walking into a scene and it was the beginning of, you know, it's either Eye of the Tiger or Seven Nation Army is what I want is my sort of exposition scene at the beginning of a film about me so let's do that let's do seven nation army by the white stripes yeah all right seven nation army it is and uh thank you so much bobby for being on the show and absolutely thank uh, you for having me thank you for doing all the work (laughs) well i mean you're gonna edit it so i just talked until you told me to stop and then i kept talking a little bit more and then i stopped i can do that anytime (laughs) well thank you so much and uh Well, we'll see what happens next week. It's always a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it'll be great.
nerds.